Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Central. It's uh, great to have you here with us for midweek. And uh, just pray that over the next few weeks as we study together a passage out of Mark chapter 1, that this will be really encouraging to you. Now, as you can see, I'm coming to you from my home just a few days after the executive order to stay at home. So just before the order, like many of you, I went to the store. And one of the stores I went to was to get some paint. And uh, there were so many people in that store. It was absolutely unbelievable. Lots of people were buying paint. Well, I spoke to a number of people and uh, they were just telling me that with no soccer, no baseball, no school sports, they've got unexpected time on their hands so that they're going to renovate their home. Well, I elbow greeted a few of you out there as well, and a number of you commented that we're probably going to get a baby boom in the next 10 months and that there'll be a lot of newly renovated homes uh, probably on the market too. So we'll see. If we're blessed, of course, we may get both. But uh, yeah, underneath all the humor uh, that I experienced a few days ago, there's an awful lot of concern, a lot of emotion, because the reality is lives are changing. They will change, and they have changed as a result of this. And for that reason, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of turmoil. One person told me that their prayer life has already increased as a result of this. And I'm sure that over the next few weeks, that's going to be true for, for so many of us. See, the uncertainty of this season is going to cause a lot of us to seek God like we've never sought Him, possibly ever before in our lifetime. Now, what I want to do tonight is I want to share a few thoughts to you about solitary places and prayer I believe that where we're going to spend our time over the next few weeks is a solitary place. And I believe that God's going to use this to do something great in our life. So I want to encourage you to embrace this season for whatever it is, whether you're on the front line doing ministry, uh, in hospitals, and providing those essential services, or whether you're at home. I believe that God wants to do something great in us, something significant in us as we're in our homes that I'm calling solitary places. If you have a Bible, what I'd like you to do is to turn to Mark chapter 1, um, and I'm going to read a text there from verse 29 through verse 39. Now, I can't promise that what's going to happen over the next you know, few months is going to be easy, but I do believe it's going to be spiritually significant. And so I want us to wrestle with how that happens. Tonight, we're going to look at the preparation that God does as we embrace the season. And then next week, we're going to look at how emotions and prayer tie together. But we're going to start with Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verse 29 through 39. If you have a Bible, follow along. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So you see what's happening here, right? Simon's mother-in-law is healed. People find out about it, and they flock to him, and it's an incredible ministry night. And where is it in Capernaum? Hold on to that. Now let's look at what happens next. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, there it is, where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. 
Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So notice then that Jesus goes to a solitary place after incredible ministry. Now that is a pattern, as we'll see in Mark. It happens a number of times. Mark chapter 1 again, verse 45, he goes to a solitary place. And chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. So the key word here is solitary place. Solitary place. I want to suggest to you that this shelter at home is going to function very much like the solitary place. Well, it would do if we didn't have any kids in it, right? But you understand my point. As a family, we're actually certainly shut away, but this can function as a solitary place for us as it is for Jesus. Now, in Mark, these words, solitary place, are what is called a linguistic marker. They're designed to flag something, to reveal something. Now, the word solitary place is literally a wilderness place. It's a desert. What's interesting, of course, is in Capernaum. That's not a wilderness place. That's a cultivated place. That's a fertile place. So the question is, why does Mark use wilderness when Jesus is in Capernaum? Now, again, he does this three times, wilderness place, and all three times that Jesus goes into the wilderness place, the solitary place, is after powerful ministry experiences. So after powerful ministry, Jesus withdraws to a solitary place. Now, commentators agree that what we have here is a pattern. Luke, uh, Mark does this intentionally, and it's the, significant for the whole Jesus story. So why would Mark use this word, solitary place, to describe the place Jesus prayed in, when often he's not even there? Well, to discover the answer, we just need to ask a simple question. Can we think of a significant place that Jesus went to, a solitary place that was important for his ministry? And we can't, can't we? It's actually that wilderness place, that desert place where Jesus went to be presented and tested and tempted by the adversary. See, that wilderness hiatus was no ordinary prayer time for Jesus. None of them are. It's that intentional decision to remember the moment of success and to actually be prepared for what comes next. Now, for those of us at home, my prayer is that our solitary place would become the same place for us. It would prepare us for what's next. Now, again, for those of you preparing, uh, providing essential services, we're going to tackle the emotional weight you carry next week. But today we want to focus on that solitary place. Those of us who are told to stay home, how are we supposed to approach this? I believe we should approach this the way Jesus did, not as an ordinary prayer time, but as a preparation time. Now, when you look at the scriptures, the desert, the wilderness, the solitary place has three functions. The first function is this. The wilderness is a place of protection. See, sometimes God leads his people into solitary places because he wants to protect us. If you have a Bible, um, turn back with me to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. So they were armed for battle, but they were not ready for battle. Why? Because they were weak 
and they were vulnerable. And so in that solitary place, in the wilderness place, God was protecting the weak and the vulnerable Israelites. And I think we need to remember as we're in our solitary places over the next few weeks, why? It's actually God protecting the elderly, the weak, and the vulnerable from something far worse. So just, let's just embrace that and let's rejoice in it. Secondly, the, the wilderness place is actually a place of preparation. Think about this. John the Baptist spent time in the desert preparing for his ministry. And what happened? In the desert, he heard from the Father concerning the coming Christ. Moses spent years in the wilderness. And what happened? He heard from God about his call to release God's people from captivity in Egypt. And then we have Israel. They spent 40 years in the wilderness, wandering through the sand to the promised land. And what happened there? That was where God led them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. What about the Apostle Paul? He was sent into the desert as well, wasn't he? After his conversion. And what happened there? Well, Paul received revelation about whose son Jesus really was, and it changed everything. You see, the desert, the solitary place, prepares us. It prepares us. It's a testing ground in the scriptures where each and every person mentioned experienced a change of heart and proved themselves to be obedient to God's will and his purpose. So here's the point. While in English, to desert actually means to abandon and to flee, in Arabic, the word ashara means to enter the desert, not to abandon it. The desert is a good place. The solitary place is a good place. See, if someone knows where to look, the desert can actually be a place where you find water and wells and springs of life. That's why the philosopher Edmund Jabez sums up the purpose of the desert wonderfully well when he says these words. You don't go into the desert to find identity, but to lose it to lose your personality, to become anonymous. You make yourself void. You become silence. It's very hard to live with silence. The real silence is death, and this is terrible. It is very hard in the desert. You must become more silent than the silence around you, and then something extraordinary happens. You hear silence speak. See, Jesus didn't go into the desert to be protected, but he was protected. And angels ministered to him. Now, Jesus went into the wilderness, into the solitary place to be prepared for something important. In this season, I believe that God wants to prepare us for something important, for what's ahead. So embrace this season. Soften your heart, incline your ear, and allow God to prepare you. The third purpose of the desert, the solitary place in Scripture, is this. It's a place of preparation place of preparation. Jesus, a presentation rather, presentation. Jesus was led into the wilderness and that was fundamental to his mission as the Christ. The Son of God, as a man, was led into the desert to prove his own anonymity. In other words, to prove he lived to do his Father's will, not his own. Now, 40 days is an awful long time to be present, uh, tempted by the devil. And that word temptation triggers a lot of negative connotations for us. It's usually the temptation to do bad things, to sin. But in the Bible, the word temptation is actually morally neutral. That basically means whether it's good or bad depends on the context. So for us to be tempted, for example, to faithfulness is a very different thing for us to be tempted to sin. Jesus was being tempted in his task as the Christ, and Jesus never necessarily viewed that as a bad thing. Now, 
Who does the tempting? The adversary, of course. That's not good. But who instigates the temptation? Satan? No. Technically, it was the Spirit of God who led the Son of God as a man into the wilderness to prove his obedience to his Father. But why would God the Father lead a man into a situation where we could experience such hardship? Well, the Spirit led the Son into the desert for him to prove the reality of his obedient sonship. I believe in the same way God occasionally leads you and me into difficult situations so that we can prove the reality of the Christ that we've received. The desert place is a place of presentation. They present you and me with opportunities by which we can demonstrate the extent to which we are being led by the Spirit of God in all that we say and all that we do. And you know, the more I look at the book of Exodus and the life of Christ, the more similarities I see to what we're about to go through. I mean, think about it. Our solitary place will not last for 40 years, right? And we hope it doesn't last for 40 days. But however long it lasts, I believe God wants to protect us, to prepare us, and to present us. So Jesus enters into the solitary place after ministry momentum. Think about that. Think about that in the context of Psalm 23 that we looked at last week. We've got to go through something in order to get to something. See, the connection between triumph and trial leads me to consider how many mountaintop experiences in the Bible are actually followed by the trauma of a valley. Deliverance out of Egypt, so grand, so spectacular, followed by 40 years in the desert. The triumph of Jesus at the baptism where the Spirit anoints him for his ministry to Christ and the Father affirms that he is his son is followed by what? Testing in the desert. And then we have the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, April 5, followed by what? The tragedy of the cross. And then we have the descent of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost where the church is empowered for ministry. What's it followed by? Persecution, by death, and the first Christian martyr. You know, I played rugby in high school and our team was really, really good. In fact, we were the best in the nation. Set records all over everywhere. We were that good. And our coach would always tell us after we'd won, we are never more vulnerable in the next game than after we've won. Church, I believe, what's true in sport is true in life. And that's the subplot to the solidarity stories. After success, how complete is the control of the Spirit on Jesus? How focused and dedicated to the will of the Father is the Son of God in his life as a man? Jesus was presented and he was proved to be faithful. And I believe God wants to do that for us too. Church, we're never more vulnerable to temptation than when things are going okay, when they're going along normally. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like desert detours. I really don't. But over the years in ministry and in life, I've learned to embrace them for what they are. I've learned to realize in this season, I get the opportunity to demonstrate how far I've come. David Johnson uh, talks about the challenges we have about walking through the desert. How many of us walk through the desert and think we're going through it because it's our own fault? How many of us think that we're going through this because we must have done something wrong? We must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. Somebody did something wrong. You know, we thought we were following God's will, but obviously we're not. And then there must be some kind of sin that I'm harboring, some secret sin. Have you ever done that? Start confessing things that you didn't even know you did because maybe that's what's wrong. Maybe you didn't hear God right. It's got to be me because God would never lead me into a place like this. 
He was going to lead me into a land of milk and honey. Well, church, guess what? The desert isn't full of milk and honey. So some of us think in a season like this, it's our fault. There's got to be something wrong with us because we're going through a hard time. But church, it's not always that. It wasn't like that for Jesus. Some of us, after a while, we get, we get tired of that. We figure, well, it can't be my fault. So it's got to be another reason. So Johnson says, what we do then is we actually say, ah, no, it's the devil's fault. It's spiritual warfare. And you know what, church, sometimes it is. Sometimes we go through a hard season because it is spiritual warfare. It is because we're under attack. It is because Satan's been lying to us, misdirecting us, harassing us, sending people against us. And so what do we do? We rebuke him, we fight it, and we do it over and over again. Bible says rebuke him and he will flee, and he doesn't. So we keep repeating it. And if that's what we continue to do, then little do we know that we are directly challenging the pillar of cloud that is protecting, preparing, and presenting us for an opportunity to demonstrate the extent of the Spirit's control in our life. Because you see, sometimes it isn't the devil, it's the father who leads his children into solitary places to present us. And after a while then, we figure out it's not my sin, it's not the adversary, so whose fault is it? Well, I know it must be Moses' fault, the people of Israel said. This leader of ours is the one who's actually to blame. He's got it wrong. He's absolutely got no idea where he's going or what he's doing. How do we even know he's hearing from God, we say? He's got to be lost. Moses is like that typical guy who doesn't ask for directions. He'd rather muddle his way forward all on his own. And so we say the real reason for the Israelites took 40 years in, to go through the wilderness is because Moses is like most of our husbands. He basically is too proud to ask for directions. But just what we've discovered tonight is that these three reasons, my sin, the adversary, and other people, isn't always the reason why we walk through the desert. We're in a solitary place. Sometimes it's because God is protecting, presenting, and preparing us for what's ahead. He's giving us an opportunity to demonstrate the Spirit's control in our lives. This was true for Jesus. And if it's true for Jesus, it can also be true for us. Now, there are many questions that we're being asked as God's people. But one of them is this. How are we going to respond in this solitary place? Will we embrace the season or are we going to fight it? None of us knows how long we're going to be in this, but I do pray that you and I would embrace it for what it is. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us to get back to what's important, our family and our faith. And so next week, I'm going to develop this a little bit more. I'm going to talk about what do we need to do to process the emotions that go along with a season like this. Because one of the interesting things about the book of Mark is how much emotion is in this book. There's so much ministry. There's so much spectacular things going on. But these spectacular acts actually lead people to be angry, to be afraid. And even the disciples don't quite know what to do. And I've got a feeling that many of us are in this season and we don't quite know what to do. And so to begin with, over the next week, let me encourage you to embrace this solitary space. Embrace it, recognizing that God is protecting the weak and the vulnerable, because that's what God does. Embrace it knowing that God is actually 
preparing you and me for what is to come. And thirdly, let's embrace this season with all the challenges that will come, recognizing that God is allowing us to demonstrate how far we have come in allowing the Spirit to control the way we think, the way we act, and the way we react. And I tell you, church, if we do those three things, we will emerge from this season far stronger than when we went in. That's my prayer. That's my hope. I pray it's yours too. But right now, let's pray and ask God to seal this word to our hearts, shall we? Join me as we pray. Father, I want to pray for each and every person watching tonight. God, I pray that they would embrace this season for what it is. Father, maybe things were going so well, and now they find themselves tucked away. God, I pray for those people for whom that is their experience, that they would realize that they are walking in no other footsteps other than your son, Jesus Christ. And he went back there, Father, because the wilderness, that solitary place, was a defining moment in his own life. It was the moment where he was proven to be ready for what's ahead. May we be proven at the end of this, Father, to be ready for what's ahead. So protect us, prepare us, and may we, Father, be shown to be more controlled by your Holy Spirit at the end of this than we were going into this. God, we lift up those that are sick, those that are struggling, those in the medical profession that are on the front lines, those essential people that are just providing services to the weak and the vulnerable. God bless them, God protect them and keep them safe. We pray for our leaders that you would give them continued wisdom to navigate through the season. And God, we pray that we, your people, would be full of faith and would be obedient to what you say and do. In Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I do want to make a couple of points. Firstly, I do want to remind you again to make sure that you connect to our Facebook community page. On that page, you will get so much updated information about what's happening at Central and everything you need to know. Secondly, if you are someone over the age of 65, hopefully you would have started receiving phone calls from our staff, just checking in, making sure that you're okay and that you don't need anything. If we haven't got to you yet, we will get to you very soon. And if we don't, it may be because we don't have the correct details for you. If that is the case, please make sure that the details are correct. Email us at care at centralwesleyan.org with the correct details and we would love uh, to connect with you and to see how we can serve you in this season. Finally, uh, Pastor Molly Latchell let uh, Pastor Mike and I know today that uh, the food distributions are going so well. Thank you for so many of you who have just stepped up and given non-perishable foods for that. Uh, keep it checking in again to the Facebook uh, community page of Central for updated information about what the needs are. So far, everything is going really well, but they are concerned about what will happen a few weeks from now because the amount of food that we would need could drastically increase a few weeks from now. So so again, keep um, Pastor Molly and the team in your prayers. Keep checking into the Facebook community page and we will update you on what the needs are. Again, thank you so much for your prayer support in this season. And uh, we are here to serve you. If we can help you in any way, please do let us know again at that email address, care at centralwesleyan.org. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We hope you have a blessed night and we will uh, connect with you all soon. God bless.